Okay, so welcome to the BetterCast. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. <laughs> and we've already started, apparently. We have. We're rocking and rolling. So, today. Josh prematurely hit the record button. I do that. Sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Often. But I'm glad you, yes, you do, actually. <laughs> Get a lot of good nuggets out of that. So, we're going to talk about the three levels I screwed it up of, cla- of communication. Collaboration. Collaboration. Yeah, so I've got this theory that I've been working on for the past couple of weeks around. Metacasters, hold on to your hats because it's really dangerous when this guy says, I have this theory I've been working on. So as as we've been building our teams here at The Dude and trying to get better and better, I've been focused on trying to get each squad being as collaborative as possible. Once we got that going, then we started talking about trying to get the squads to collaborate together. Okay. So that's that kind of next level thing for us. Like, okay, we, we have each squad working well. Yep. Now what? Now what do we focus on? How do we get better? What do we do? And then after that, how do we get better around collaborating as an entire company and bringing the software development that we're doing in a collaborative manner to the rest of the company and not just the software engineering team? So I've been trying to pull together doneness criteria essentially for each of those three levels of you know you're collaborating well inside your squad agile team whatever you want to call if it if you are if you're doing these things these are the common pitfalls that people have <clears throat> here's how you get through them around them over them whatever and then once you have multiple squads trying to get them to work together you know they're working well when they look like this when they're doing these things these are the healthy signs and then that third level which I'm not really at yet with my brain of you are a really collaborative agile software company when it looks like this these are the things that you see that are happening well when you know you've done it you've kind of hit the promised land so trying to focus on each little step along the way I like that idea I mean I, I, I really like that idea I mean, it's making me think. That's why I'm quiet and not talking. That is rare. And it is. So hold on to your hats, <laughs> Metacasters. <laughs> oh, Josh, tell true, but 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 hurtful. No, I I, I I like all three levels. I like the definition of done or the pattern anti-pattern thing, or the you know you're in the ballpark when you see these sorts of things. Right. Could we could we do that today? Could we talk? About I think we can probably get through a couple. I don't know that we'll be able to get through all three. Maybe this turns into a series. Um, but the thing that I was trying to do is don't worry about this other stuff until you at least have this baseline done. Because that's what I found. That was a big mistake that I had here. I was trying to boil the ocean. I was trying to be an agile company right out of the gate. And you can't. What I should have focused on, let's get each squad as optimized as possible. Then once we have that, then it's time to take it to that next level. And then once we have that, then we go on to that next level. And trying to reset myself and the efforts that I was putting in place of, okay, let's dial it back, let's slow down, focus on this. Then once you have that, focus on this. I like, okay, 
So what are some of the patterns? Like, so squad level collaboration, what are some of the things you think of? Like if you were looking at a window, uh, what is it like at Macy's? They have uh, window displays. Maybe it's a nice paradigm. Right. That actually might be a nice way to do the presentation, right? Nice but like visually, but you're looking in the window at a window display and it, and it's squad level. So it's squad level window display. What, what would make you smile? What sorts of things would, from a collaboration point of view? So things that I've been happy with just looking over the past six months of when I felt like we're there is planning becomes simple. Planning becomes easy. And what that really translates to is the effort in the refinement or grooming, whatever you want to call it, that the team's thinking ahead. It's not just the just-in-time planning. It's all those things. Um, I look for challenges. I look for, in retrospectives, is everybody speaking up? Does everybody feel like they're heard? When we do fist of five on anything, do we have people actually throwing low numbers and having reasons about this is why we're going in the wrong direction or this is what we should do about it. I want to see that pushback, that challenge and that discussion. I want people to be comfortable saying, I don't think this is a good idea. Even though seven other people might think it's a great idea, they have that trust and that comfort in all their team members that they can say, hey, hold on, let's pump the brakes right. and really see if this is the right thing to do. Um, the, the, the other is Within the execution of a sprint, is it just waterfall in that two-week process or is it truly agile development where people swarm, work in progress limits, things like that are in place and adhered to and even brought up by the team? So those are kind of, that's the quick run through. We can dig into each of those if you want a little bit further. No, I mean, I've been... I've been thinking about, so Metacasters, I spent the last three days at a QA conference in Atlanta, and we were talking about, even though it was just, it was mostly just testers, uh, it was all Agile, so all of the discussions was, was around Agile testing, and I was talking about, I was, I was emphasizing in some of the classes or the talks I gave around the power of the user story is the conversation. Mm-hmm. The power of planning poker <clears throat> is the conversation. I, I'm fond of test planning at a team level, so not story test planning, but having the team, like when they commit to a sprint, put their put a test hat on for five minutes or ten minutes, mm-hmm. and talk about okay, we, we're going to bite off five stories. How do we effectively test all of the you right. know all of the stuff around the stories? A lot of folks do story level testing. Mm-hmm. The, be, uh, the acceptance test. One of the bad things about acceptance tests is it drives this notion of st- like all your testing focuses on the functionality of the story rather than like a regression or a right. partial regression around the stories. So I was saying that that I want the team to plan, but I don't care about the plan. I, I care about the f- conversation. The point I'm trying to make is the fist of five for the last six months, I think the Fist of Five is a technique that has the same um, the same characteristics, right? It's it's not the numbers that are valuable, it's the conversation around a Fist of Five. I, I almost want to start making the Fist of Five like a default thing. Right. You, you know, you can use it in a variety of ways, just almost like planning poker. Wouldn't it be cool if we, if we and I'm, that's you brought it up, it's not just the low numbers where the team looks at, they throw fist of fives all the time uh, about conversation of sprint readiness, uh, 
spike readiness, right? Anything, virtually right. any testing, uh, quality. Are we confident? Are we not confident? Etc. Uh, retrospectives, yeah. or or yeah, retros. We, we, we've we, we've taken onto that ourselves here, and we actually treat it like it's a football game. So we do a fist of five every quarter within the sprint. Yeah. Just like, hey, here's a checkpoint. This is where we're at. We're a quarter of the way through. How are we doing? How are we feeling? Let's talk about it. One, two, three, go. Halfway point, same thing. Three, See, I like I like that a lot. Point, the same thing because, and and we had to use that technique to drive the discussion right. that we thought the squad should be having, but they weren't. So it was one of those things that because we had people with the trust throwing out the two or the three, yeah. and then being comfortable saying, well, why? Here's why. And yeah. then it would get people thinking and talking and everything that we want. So I'd like to dig back into some anti-patterns around two things that we talked about. Estimation is something we've spent a couple of podcasts on in recent history. So we've mentioned some things that we think people do poorly. I'm going to give you a story um, from one of our squads, the most longest living squad that we have. We've only been here six months, so it's about six months old. Um, the team was trying to do the right thing, and they were trying to be as efficient and as effective as possible with their refinement and story pointing. And we talked about this a little bit, where they they had very clear definitions of what a, a one-point story, a three-point story, a five-point story, every point had like a specific value, so that conversation went away. Because it was really easy and really simple to just say, well, that's a that's a list. That's this many points. That's an edit screen. That's this many points. So, the they, conversation, so they created reference stories very too detailed. Many, too many reference stories. Okay. So the, so the reference stories, which are good, took away the discussion. Right. And the discussion went away. Bad, and yeah. we kept struggling yeah. with discovery inside of the sprint. Because of, nothing. You can't. It's not exactly the same. Right? right. Yeah. So we would get into a sprint and discover, oh, gosh, this is bigger than we thought or whatever. It's more than we thought. It's because we didn't have that discussion. Yeah. So I had to sit down with the team and get everybody to understand that that discovery has to happen at some point. What I'm looking for and when I see a well-functioning squad is that discussion is happening appropriately doesn't mean too early or too late, but it's happening before you start the sprint. Because the thing I said to the squad is like, you can, you're going to have that discussion no matter what. You can have it in refinement, you can have it in planning, or you can have it during the sprint when it's kind of too late. And you've got to choose when you want to do that. So you can really invest in refinement, really do a great job with that. If you do that, then planning will go pretty well and the sprints will go pretty well. If you don't do it in refinement, planning is going to get hard and right. then the sprints will go fine. If you don't do it in refinement or planning, the sprint's going to be hard. And that seemed to really click with them. You know, there was something, maybe you said this, I'm not sure if you did, but um, I happened on it in LinkedIn and then in a class or something, triagile, someone mentioned it. They were talking about Kanban. But it, it, I don't know, it didn't strike me before, and I, I felt silly, but folks are using Kanban as a readiness uh, mechanism for stories. Mm -hmm. So they're using a Kanban board for their uh, grooming or their refinement. And you know that, oh, that's cool. we've talked about readiness criteria before, yeah. but they embed the readiness criteria in the columns in the Kanban board. Or some of it. That's good. It's it's it, isn't that a phenomenal yeah. idea? Yeah. So they're using Scrum or whatever whatever 
agile method du jour you want, but but they have a Kanban board that's driving stories into the team. I thought that was the coolest freaking idea. I mean, yeah. I'm going to steal it, borrow it, talk about it, uh, because I've been promoting readiness. But one of the problems with readiness is it's sort of a, this checklist thing. Yeah. Right. Whereas now, and this goes back to collaboration, now we can collaborate on the Kanban board discussing. It's mm -hmm. not even just a, so you're discussing how you mature, like this story, how much, how immature is it? Mm -hmm. And what kind of co collaboration do we need to have around it to mature it to get it ready for the sprint? You could maybe experiment with that or at least suggest We do something kind of like that. So we have this long set of statuses that represent the life cycle of a story. Okay. The squads don't see it <clears throat> until it makes it to the ready for refinement status. So you're doing, you're, you're effectively we're, we're doing, that doing that as a product owner cooking mechanism yeah. or something, or a leadership cooking. Right, so prior to the ready for refinement, there's research, UX, all of that, where the product owners and the UX team are figuring out oh, what that it. story really looks like. Okay. So it's on this big life cycle, but the product owners see everything before ready for refinement. Now, like, is it Kanban or it's not? It's state-driven. It sounds like it could be Kanban. You could put it on a board. Yeah. So it is a board in Jira. I think it's just set up as a scrum board just because that's what we yeah. do. Yeah. Um, but we don't ever end the sprint. So they're treating it like a Kanban board, kind of. Yeah. Um, so they have these statuses that once it once it gets to done for them, which is ready for refinement, then it pops up on the squad's board, and then they run with it. Um, but there's, there's all of this work that we had to do to the product owners and UX folks where they felt like they were ready to put it in front of the squads to yeah. refine and point and all I, that I stuff. Like it. I like it. I like that. I mean, you could have one, you could have dual con. So, so one of the things I've, I've not struggled with, but I haven't done very well in my coaching is, is combined Kanban. So it's like either or, mm -hmm. right? You're either Kanban or you're Scrum. Right. But sort of this, it, what it inspired me is I'm starting to think about there's these pre-vetting things. Can you use Kanban for the pre-vetting stuff? Right. And, and do it very healthfully, like have some activity around the right. Kanban board. And I'm starting to think a lot about, you could do it for UX, I love that. So you could do it for UX work just by itself yeah. and make it transparent to the team. Mm -hmm. So the team's not, the team's seeing it evolve, they don't have to necessarily engage it, but they're involved with the, ah, this is cooking, it's coming, right. down, it's coming down the road. What about, I, I have two things that I, I wrote down, one, one is a weird idea. Whip limits, could whip limits help collaboration? They force it. That's something that I've used in the past is with the Shuha remodel is you drop in a whip limit and that forces, because what I've seen a lot is we have three stories in progress. Somebody just wrapped something up. <clears throat> There's one or two stories that are waiting to get started. Say, okay, I'm ready to help. Who needs help? Where can I jump in? And everybody says, no, I got it. Everyone pushes away the help. Yeah. Whereas that whip limit forces you, we're not going to pull anything in. So that's what I'm saying. Until you sit down and help this person get this move to that next column. So I think that's a way of, at, at, a, at a squad level, to, and then maybe at a shoe level squad, mm -hmm. to reinforce uh, collaboration. It forces it. Yeah. And, and then you're, you get the muscle memory. So I think with a shoe team, forcing it isn't necessarily a bad team, yeah. uh, a bad thing. Uh, you know, with a more, more more mature team, you'd skip it. You wouldn't want to do that. But that should happen naturally, right? So you would use the work in progress limit to get them to realize that the collaboration yeah. is beneficial. 
and then once that muscle memory kicks in, they're doing it. They don't they're even doing think it. About then you it. remove the wood pulp. Right. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. yeah. But I've seen it. So let's flip it around. I don't. I see that notion of collaboration, swarming. I use those terms. Teams don't get that. Right. I think you know nine out of ten agile teams. I don't think they naturally get there. So I think like forcing it with a whip limit is really helpful for the team because mm -hmm. it's just it's it's counterintuitive. It's uncomfortable or what? Or they're so used. You know, there's date pressure, so they feel like they're more efficient by working individually. Have you heard of mob programming? I have not. Uh, I think you'll like this. So there's this guy in California, California. If you Google mob programming, mm -hmm. uh, Woody Zool is a um, an agile-ish guy, and so mob programming is having the entire team work on a with a whip limit essentially one, the entire so six seven people work on one story at a time, and he has a video, so he has a website he's put up that you can just right. go to the website, but he has this uh, time-lapsed uh, video of a day in the life of his team. Yeah, uh, It's about 10 minutes long, uh, but you see them rushing around. So it's the, the team is working on one story at a time. There's two screens up. The team, uh, someone, it's like pair programming. Someone is coding, uh, someone is driving, someone is observing, or multiple people are observing. There's multiple screens, so everyone's looking at the code. Everyone's mm -hmm. looking at whatever is being worked on. Uh, if research is necessary, someone might go off to the side and do some like Google searches or something like that. But everyone, the product owners there, but everyone is everyone is interacting on the story. So the team's job is to get the story done as soon right. as humanly possible, and then they work on another story and another story and another story. So it's essentially a whip. It's an interesting. Technique. I'm, I'm, I've, I brought it up at. Uh, I, I went to South America a couple times, and I'm trying to raise the bar on the Velocity Partners teams. And I brought it up as a weird idea. It's a whip extension. Yeah. Right. So if whip, if a whip of four is good. Yeah. Then a whip of one <laughs> is like. Right. Is must be better. It must be. It's extraordinary, <laughs> or it's weirdly extraordinary. So yeah. let's see how it works. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're trying it. They're not trying it for everything. They're trying it for like really complex stories, and and I'll see how that we'll see how that works. So the hard bits. Mm -hmm. So their trade off is we. It's scary to you know. It would be scary. Woody does it for all their work, uh, and you know if you get a story done in a half day, then you get it done, then you move on to the next right. story, uh, and you deliver it. Uh, but they, from his point of view, it's also they're getting more done that way. That may be something you might run an experiment here yeah. if the team was interesting. Look at the video, yeah. or share the video with your with the team. I'll check it out. They, they're it forces collaboration. It takes it takes what what it, it it takes individual work out of play. Do you know what I'm saying? It's although and and there is individual work. Not everyone is like sitting on top of each other working, but everyone like grooming. <coughs> Someone might be grooming for the next story. But you wouldn't group twenty stories. Mm -hmm. You might be, you know. So we're we're working on the story, and as we're getting close to the end, the team knows that they have to groom for the next story or something. They make that decision right. and just get prepared. So I want to get back into anti patterns a little bit. Yeah, I, I, we glossed over that. Okay. Squad. So the because one, you and I have talked in previous podcasts and off mic about things we've seen at conferences where we're talking to people and we're like, "Holy cow, that." really should never be an issue but it is so i've heard you talk about um, teams that within their pointing they point the development work and then they point the test work 
what other things like that have you seen out there so of late that are like if you're doing this you need to really focus on getting your squad to collaborate well scrum fall is still alive and well I pull audiences uh, I mean again the test the Atlanta test conference you and I talked about the STP conference a couple of weeks ago in right. San Diego uh, believe it or not scrum fall and it's all related to this stuff the empty pattern is scrum fall and that says developers work on stuff I mean, you can draw the burn. The scrummer fall burn down chart is it doesn't burn down, right? And then testers get work. Uh, it's it's weird that the developers uh, they want the testers to do something, but they can't. But there's nothing for them to do until the the eighth day of a sprint. That's right. It. And then all of the shit hits the excuse my French, but it, it hits the testers, uh, and then they can't keep up. So if you have a burn down that is a classic cliff burn down that's flat until it's scrubber fall one or two days before, yeah. you know you've got problems. And, and it's insidious because people plan it. It goes back to your planning. There's threads here, anti-pattern to pattern. Uh, but to me, I, 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 it, I say this to people, and I'm joking, but I'm actually trying to get their attention. The team left sprint planning with a scrubber fall plan. So it's not an accident. Mm-hmm. They may not be aware of it. Uh, I like teams exiting sprint planning with a thumbs up. So they violently, if I'm coaching them, not violently, but they actively smiled, looked each other in the eye, and said, oh, we have a really great plan. And so they planned for, what, isolating or starving the testers for eight days. It's even worse. The testers went thumbs up, too. It's like, what are you thinking? Okay, so since we know that's such a common thing, what can we give listeners that are in that position of how they navigate their way out of it. Well, so to me, it's the planning. I want courage in planning. I, I want recognition. So, and it goes back to what you, you know. So, good, good grooming leads to good planning, leads to healthy collaboration. Uh, ignoring planning and, and, and pretending that agility and you know, uh, we'll throw we'll throw undefined stuff into a sprint and we'll collaborate around it is a is a disaster, right? You you need to. And that often gets the label of we're agile. Yeah. Uh, there's so many times where... And planning is unagile. Right. So the thought is, oh, we're agile, so we're going to wing it. We're going to throw crap into a sprint. We're, we'll figure it out as we go. It, that's No, there's good, healthy planning in agile. And I think I think the, the, the key way to fight scrum or fall is usually what I recommend is better planning and whip limits. Right. So somebody has to stand up and say something. Somebody has to put the proverbial foot down and say, all right, enough's enough. And in many cases, this is happening because it's an environment where trust is not fostered, trust is not valued. You kind of know your role yep. and do your thing yep. and keep your mouth shut. I actually want someone to say, so I'm not doing thumbs up artificially. I'm hoping someone, so to me, I, I think an exit criteria for sprint planning is every team member should go thumbs up, forget fist of five, thumbs up, some thumbs sideways, or thumbs down. I don't think you should exit sprint planning unless everyone is thumbs up mm-hmm. and committing to the sprint and the sprint goal, if that makes sense. Now we need, so now, if, it, if anyone in the room thinks it's a crappy plan from a goal, for any reason, we're not listening to, it's scrum or fall, we're, we, did, we forgot, you know, we're, we're not supporting our definition of done. So definition of done says automation and we didn't make, we didn't allocate time for automation. Right. And, and anyone has a clue that, that we, they didn't allocate the space for it, then I want them to go thumbs down. So the thing I was trying to get to is somebody has to be comfortable going thumbs down because they might not be able to. Things that we've done to help generate that trust and comfort 
is I bought everybody the Teen Geek book. So that's something that I've become yeah. enamored with that I think they should give every computer science student in college and say, read this. But what that's done is we've treated it like a book club where we read a couple chapters, we get together and talk about it, and it really forces you to discuss about the kind of developer you are and how you talk together. Because it says software development is a team sport, and you've got to learn how to work well together. Absolutely. And that's something that once we started doing that, that pushed us over the edge to where we started having the uncomfortable discussions that needed to be had, where somebody didn't think the sprint plan was a good idea, but now they're willing to say it because they've had those discussions. They've they've talked through. People know where where they're coming from. Right. So things like that have helped us get to the point where we have some folks throwing fives and one person throwing a two. Yeah. And that person th- throws a two, and <clears throat> we say, well, okay, holy cow, what's the two? Well, it's not just even the teams, uh, but but going back, I I don't know, I've not heard about Team Geek, but. Uh, at Eye Contact, we brought in uh, five dysfunctions of a team, mm-hmm. and and the first the first layer is trust yeah. and to have the conversations. So you need cross team trust, and we brought in five dysfunctions training. We not we didn't just bring the book in. We brought mm-hmm. a consultant in to train the team level, the management level, so that we would have effective teaming up the organization. That actually might be a, as as we talk about squad to company and stuff as, as right. this matures, <clears throat> this conversation. We did that. The other thing we did is crucial com- we brought in crucial conversations. There's this book called Crucial Conversations, how okay. to have these how to have these really challenging conversations. And we brought that in and we ran the teams through like a half day training. <laughs> that helped as well. Right. It wasn't a panacea, but we needed to give it it's the soft skills. We needed to give folks the confidence or, or the techniques to have it, what what I do at the conferences is I try. These are I'm usually talking to senior testers or project managers. They're not all that, but my hope is those folks have already have courage, and they can say they can go thumbs down. My I'm just trying to inspire them. But but you're right. You need the skills. So that's a, that. That to me is a you know if you don't have that the soft skills training the communication training right. courage. That's why one of the scrum there's five scrum values. I always emphasize courage. We have to have the courage to tell truth. Um, everyone has the truth. It's just a question of getting it out of our mouth. Getting right. it out of our mouths. I mean, everyone's thinking stuff in the team. It's it's are they willing to bring their deflector screens down and share it? Yeah, the, the the other thing that I've as I've worked with members of our squads of trying to get through this, the thing that I've discovered, and I struggled with this myself, and, and kind of had to discover it on my own is people say, well, I have these ideas and I have these different thoughts and I put them out there and people just stare at me. Like, do they think I'm crazy or what? And like, well, you got to give them time to think and understand it and you probably have to say it. Like the common rule that I've come up with is you have to say something seven times before somebody really gets it because you're coming at it from a different angle than where they are. So they've got to process it. Maybe they were, maybe they're still trying to figure it out, right? So don't expect that when you challenge that a switch is going to flip and everything's going to be magical. It's a journey. It's a process to where you've got to continue to have these conversations and discussions and people will start to think about it and the truth is going to win in the end. Yeah. And if you really believe this is the right thing, you keep saying it, keep understanding it, then it will start to sink in and you'll start to see change. So understanding that that first time you stand up in a planning session or in a grooming session or a retro or whatever and you're going to challenge with the truth 
it doesn't mean the next sprint's going to be perfect. Just is it a little bit better? And then you've got to keep saying that and keep working well, on that. And as a leader, you have to support that too. I mean, so we've talked historically about, you know, Josh, don't go to retros. But I think sprint planning, it would be good for you to be there. Yeah. So here's something you could do. If some, when someone does that, you amplify it. Yeah. You're, you're like, you high five them. Mm-hmm. You're like, thank you. I, I don't know if you're right or wrong, but thank you for having the courage to say something contrary to the. T- so I think as a leader, there's the skills on the team, but I think there's, we can be, you guys like you and I can be role models yeah. to show that it's okay. Not only is it okay to do it, but we want it. Right. And that's very different from saying, I want you to go thumb. So, you know, we, you can walk through the hall here and say, I want you to go thumbs down. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's very different when someone does go thumbs down, when you, in front of the entire team, and you're like high fiving them and stuff, and you're giving, you're opening space for that, and you're rewarding. Yeah. Rewarding is the wrong word, but you're, you're sort of, you know, that's a, that's a positive outcome. Thank right. you for doing that. Yeah. And the thing that I've seen is that. Not everybody works like this, and people have that traditional baggage where they're afraid to operate that Absolutely. way because previous places that they worked, that's not accepted. In fact, that's like you don't do that, right? You are told the plan. This is the plan. Get on board or get or you out. Ch- or you tried it. So it, I mean, literally, there's fear because you know we don't do that. We're going to fire you, or you know they tried it a bunch of times and it didn't have. You know, then they just went into their shell or whatever. I think the baggage is. I, I think the baggage is probably more of an issue than just having the innate courage or the innate skill, right? It's that right. combination of things. Right, and that's what is really on the agile leaders to continue to push that and work with people because, again, just like I said, it's not going to flip a switch just because you say, hey, we have to be courageous. It doesn't mean everybody's going to do it in the next sprint. You've got to continually work on them to get them to get that comfort and to celebrate when they do. Yep challenge and do step up and do question things that you've got to again help them set that example of this is how we operate and that's a multi-month thing absolutely you've got to expect that you're not going to get there right away it's going to be months before you get people comfortable separating from what happened in the past and building that culture new here but i think it can be faster than i'm not disagreeing with months or but so we can talk, guys like you and I can talk. I, so for every time we have a conversation, I think if we walk the talk, by example, right. in the game with the team, it's probably worth 10 to 20 of those talks mm-hmm. or even more, and it's going to accelerate the team because there's that aha moment. You're not just saying it. It's like you're supporting it. You're walking the talk. F- failure. Uh, the first time a team stretches and fails, if I've been preaching failure is good because it's learning, I have to give, it's almost like guys like you and I have to give the team space. Right. It doesn't count until we acknowledge the failure and, and say it's okay. Uh, but the minute we do that, I don't think we need to do that 20 more times. You know, we, we can continue to do it, but the first or second or third time, there's this aha moment in the team. It's like, holy crap, Josh means it. You know, mm-hmm. he's been saying it, but now he went on record, if you will. That makes a huge difference. I've seen if we do that, if we actively do that as leaders, it, the teams the teams get that very quickly because we've given them the space. Right. We've given them permission. It's like here's the here's your get out of jail free card. <laughs> go right. Go make it so. Um, that, so it's a leadership of big difference. Retrospectives is another. We were talking about well, what can they do? The retrospective should be a safe place to have these. I, I, I bend over backwards 
as a coach to, to try to re to make companies create safety in their retros. Mm-hmm. You we've talked about this, but yeah. no manager rule. Why? So that these conversations. There's no reason why you can't have this conversation. It's just you and your team. Right. There's no ramifications. There's no one. There's no one recording the conversation. So have these things. So making the retros safe. Uh, coaching the scrum masters. I mean, this is a core. Forget you and I. This is a core area for you know excellent scrum masters. They can make a huge difference mm-hmm. by by sort of encouraging those conversations. Have we hit anti patterns in it? So we talked about retrospectives, and the one that I've seen a lot is people often want to abandon retrospectives. Yeah. Or you see, and well, they want to abandon the retrospective, they're, and they're saying it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. But really, what happens is they're not. They're not, They're not investing engaged. in yeah. it, right? So what we do to try and offset that is we minimize the tries for that next sprint to three things max. We put them on our boards. They're up there. So that way it's up there with our sprint goal, it's up there with our cards, it's up there with the tries. So we see it every stand-up, every time yeah. we get up, and we actively try and address those. And if you have repetitive items coming up, in your retrospectives, that's an anti-pattern, right? You're not there. Focus on getting the squad collaborating as effectively as possible. I might even, I like your, so I think one of the anti-patterns is people bite off too much stuff. They don't allocate space to do it in the next sprint. To, if, it, if, it, if the idea requires work, they don't reserve time for the work. Right. Is another anti-pattern, and they're surprised that they don't get the work done. Uh, I be I usually say one to, you get you get the chance to bite off one two no more than three things make them visible like mm-hmm. you said so I I I support I agree with everything you're saying I I actually won't even do the next retrospective so let's say the team bought off two things uh, and one of them is not we made no progress on it very often I'm like well that's just that's not have a retrospective. Or the retrospective is how do we focus on that one? Right, so that's what we do is we look at the previous yeah, tries. exactly. And then talk about how we're going to actually get movement it, on those. On those. It's, yeah. it, it, makes, it, it has no purpose to have another retrospective if you keep building this queue of stuff to do. So, um, And that just focuses. It's, it's good agile principles. You're focusing on the highest impact stuff, and you're trying to get it. I mean, you don't have to solve it. But we want to progress it. We want mm-hmm. to get. To, we want to make progress on it. We want to get something done. At it. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I think if teams do that, and then the team is vested in the solutions, the other anti-pattern, you know, so it, it's during the retro talk about the actions. So for me, a typical Galen retrospective, let's say it's an hour, is I'm trying to get issues on the table for it in the first thirty minutes. Um, and then prioritize them and get like the top one, two, three. And the last 30 minutes is all about what are we going to do? So let's start with number one. Mm-hmm. And, th- and let's talk about what can we do about it and brainstorm. It's almost like grooming it uh, and sizing it. and having. So it's a part grooming, part sprint planning on that. Right. What, who, who owns it? Who's going to work with it? Um, what, what can the team do about it? And so it's it's sort of very action oriented, and I think teams resonate with that because it's it almost looks like the the work it al- it almost looks like sprint planning. Right. Cool. All right. So we mostly covered the the team intra squad work. Maybe there's a little bit for us to pick up, or when we dig back into the inter squad, when we try. So we'll, and get we'll that come back here. Team. I think this is a really beefy topic. Yeah. So I'm I. 
and maybe this will help you. I think it's worthwhile from a presentation. Yeah. You said you're going to work on this for a conference or yeah. something. Yeah. I think this is a really healthy thing. You could almost turn this into a workshop, Josh. You know that? Well, I'm going to start with the talk first and then we'll No. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm always pushing. I know. <laughs> I get excited. Yeah. So I say it because I think it's a really, not just important, it, it maps to the dysfunction I see. Right. So it, that's what gets me excited. It's not just that it's a beefy topic, right. uh, but there's a lot of people like you know not doing well with that. Right. So we, we can talk about it. I want uh, we'll put when we post this, I'll post some stuff about mob programming okay. for the Metacasters. I want you to look at this is an interesting technique. I will check it out. Yeah, it's just it blows my mind, and I want to keep I want to keep emphasizing it. Because uh, I have I have this feeling in my heart that this is the way, or very close to the mob, is the way to get high, the highest productivity out of a team, mm. because it's maximizing right. the collaboration. We focus so because it doesn't. Fo you don't care about estimates in mob programming. Right. You don't. It's all about living in the moment. Mm. Uh, so it's it's super interesting. Maybe in the next Metacast when we get, we cover these things, we could enter it with mob programming. After you've taken a yeah. look at it, okay, uh, get your reactions, and then we can move up. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Are we done? Can we, we stick are. a fork in this? We can. You're always the arbiter for this stuff. I, I am. You, you, you always keep me on point. You did well, it here today. Has to. Andy has to. You did it three times. I or know. Two. It's a and challenge. Sir. It is. It and you. It's taken me seventy episodes to get here. And you bring me back to center. And you do it nicely, actually, and Bob. What about those Amy patterns, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Josh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for bringing... I was talking about Mars. Thank you for bringing me back to center. <laughs> uh, so how do folks get a hold of us, Josh? Well, they find us where they found us today. You've been starting to see... You see I've been doing see, that. See, like in the early episodes, the first 30, you were very meticulous. But now it's like, if you found us, just, just repeat that, record that yeah. pattern. Rinse and repeat, right? It's like sprint. You That's know, true. You just get good at the ceremony. All right, y'all. So you found us. You found us. You find <laughs> us again. That's the way it works. I can do that. I don't have yeah. this backslash hashtag crap. Just find us the same way. Uh, we want your feedback. We got so a really neat comment from yeah. someone. Yeah, we had a really good comment today. Uh, I like that. So comments, it wasn't... We, we value... Uh, Every comment, every idea for a Metacast, uh, we're also planning, I know it's far out there, but Josh and I are going to a conference in the fall, and so uh, we were going to, it's around October-ish, I think, uh, and we we're going to do some uh, Metacasts, remote Metacasts on the road with uh, guest speakers. So if you have any ideas for topics on the road or a type of speaker that you'd like us to talk with, uh, just shoot us that. Uh, we are open. You are our customer, and we are trying to uh, we're trying to delight you. That's our intent. Uh, I think our other intent is we're trying to create you know to dominate the known universe with good <laughs> with good agile. And there's a lot of bad agile out there, and we're trying to do our part to improve that. So yeah. So any any feedback is good on iTunes reviews that, that that helps get the word out to more people it bubbles us up in searches and everything that goes along with that so that way we can help more folks that's really what we're trying to do yeah so I know a lot of folks are quiet and really busy but that's an important point help us reach more people uh, that that's something that you can really help us do so we appreciate that so for beautiful downtown Cary on a sunny day in the spring, Cary, North Carolina. I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all. <laughs>